Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Come on, side, side, Today's show is sponsored by PDM. Pod Digital Media, the number one multicultural podcast app, is here. PDM, Pod Digital Media, is the very first Black-owned podcast app. You can listen to shows from every single category, like sports, business, health, lifestyle, and culture, all from creators of color like me. Download it today in the Apple App Store and listen to new shows. Plus, if you want to release a podcast, record it and release it directly from the app. PDM, Pod Digital Media app. Download it right now. Tell them Ed Lover sent you. Come on, son, son. What it do, y'all? Come on, son, the podcast. Overseen by Combat Jack. Ed Lover in the building. Chilling. Hope everybody's good. World done went crazy, y'all. This this doesn't went crazy, yo. For real. How long is it going to take this R. Kelly trial to start? I made a joke the other day on the radio, my show, 104.3 Jams, the Ed Love Morning Show. Um, I made a joke the other day that uh, uh, Derek Chauvin, who was convicted of killing George Floyd, who got 23, almost 23 years in prison, would get out before they started the R. Kelly trial. So now R. Kelly's not in Chicago anymore. They moved him to New York, all this federal trial, then COVID, and he's just sitting there. And no trial has started, and if they don't hurry up, he's probably going to be out on lack of a speedy trial. But this just then, Bill Cosby is getting out of jail. Bill Cosby to be freed from prison after court throws out sexual assault conviction. I did the Cosby show, y'all. I, I did the Cosby show twice. Let me tell you this quick story about me doing the Cosby show. And uh, you know what, Krista? Right here, give me a little bit of the theme. Chris is my producer. Give me a little bit of the theme to the Cosby Show. Cosby Show was the most watched show in America. And it wasn't just watched by African-Americans. It was watched by Latinos. It was watched by Asians. It was watched by women, men, whites. It don't matter. Gay, straight, everybody loved the Cosby Show. Cosby Show was so impactful that a different world came from the Cosby Show. Cosby Show wasn't your typical situation comedy for African-Americans about an African-American family that was struggling. That wasn't the gist of the Cosby Show. The Cosby Show and the Huxable family were well off. The mother, well, played by Felicia Rashad, was an attorney. And the dad, played by Bill Cosby, who played Cliff Huxtable, was a doctor, a successful doctor. They were both successful and they had kids. And it was a, it was a show about being together and raising your kids, but not raising your kids in the ghetto like Good Times was or, you know, raising your kids where the dad is not there, like what's happening. It was about raising your kids with a father and a mother figure, successful parents present. So um, I was on UMTV Raps, and I used to have this character called Perry J. Periwinkle III, who was 
kind of like a nerd, always wore like a hunting hat, red and black hunting hat, glasses with the tape in the middle. And he always talked like this, sir. Perry J. Perry Winkle III, sir. So one day I'm at home and I get a message from uh, one of the creators and a producer uh, of UMTV Rats, the late, great Ted Demi, and said, hey, Ed, call, you know, call Ted in his office. I'm still in the office. If you get this before such and such time, call me in the office. So I'm saying, cool. He said, it's kind of important. So I called Ted in the office. I don't know what's going on. But Ted was my friend before I got on UMTV Raps. So that's another story for another time. I called Ted's office. Ted picks up the phone. What's up, Ed Witch? I'm like, what up, Ted Witch? We used to call each other that sometimes from back when he was in college. And he goes, hey, man, um, somebody from the Cosby Show called here looking for you. And I was like, what? What's the Cosby Show calling looking for me for? He said, well, here's the number. Um, give him a call back. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, cool. Um, I take the number. I call back to uh, Silver Cup Studios. And I said, hey, somebody from the Cosby Show is looking for me. My name is Ed Lover. They go, oh, let me patch you through into, you know, the studio where they shoot. And um, they patch me through. And I go, hey, hey, this is Ed Lover from um, MTV. Somebody from the um, Cosby Show called me, was trying to find me. And they go, yeah, Mr. Cosby want to talk to you. Hold on. Now I'm tripping. Because I remember... Eddie Murphy saying, Bill Cosby only calls you for two reasons. Either he thinks what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal, or he's going to admonish you because he feels like you're embarrassing the black community overall. Now, remember, this man's name holds a lot of weight. He has given money to Temple. They've named the whole goddamn school or wing after him or whatever. Mr. Cosby got a lot of money. So now I'm afraid of what he's going to say to me when he gets on the phone because maybe he thinks that what we're doing on your own TV raps is buffoonery and I need to stop doing whatever I'm doing. I'm in awe of this man. He is the Cosby Show. He is Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. He's our spy when I was a kid. He's the Jell-O mm, Jell pudding guy. This is Bill Cosby, and I'm not even really expecting him to get on the phone. But the phone clicks over and he goes, is this Ed? And I go, yes, who is this? Is this Mr. Cosby? Yes, Ed, this is Bill Cosby. How you doing? I said, I'm good, Mr. Cosby. No, don't call me Mr. Cosby. Call me Bill. First of all, threw me for a loop when he said that. And I said, okay, Bill. And he goes on to tell me that he has a daughter that loves the yo raps thing that you're doing. And she's here in my dressing room and I'm watching the thing. And then all of a sudden, here you come and you're dressed up in this character, man. And I couldn't stop laughing at it. And I was like, wow, thank you, Bill. And he's like, no, but hey, listen, Ed, my daughter loves the show. I saw the show. I like you. I like Dre. I want to come on the show. And then I'm going to have you on my show. Could you set that up? I was like, absolutely, I can set it up. We get off the phone after more pleasantries and me giving him all the love in the world for what he's done and giving him his flowers right there and letting him know I'm a huge, huge fan of his work from his comedy albums to Buck Buck and, you know, stuff like he couldn't even believe that I knew. And um, I set it up. We got in touch with him and we had a studio Ready and he came down and he did a whole week of your TV rap shows with uh, Dre, myself, and T Money. And the cool thing about it is when he came, he uh, everybody from MTV Viacom came to the set. It was I don't even think I can remember anybody else that presidents and vice presidents came down to meet. Green Room is laid out for Bill Cosby. Green Room is laid out. They asked me, what did he want? I was like, he never said he wanted anything. So they just put all kind of stuff and things in the green room and, and had extra security on site, you know, and just, you know, in case he needed privacy, because this is Bill Cosby at the height of the Cosby show. Bill Cosby comes down. They make room in front of where we were shooting. We weren't actually shooting at the MTV studios in those days. We were shooting on 57th and, and like 11, between 11th and 12th at a separate studios before MTV built their own studios in 
um, the MTV building, 1515 Broadway. Bill Cosby gets out of a yellow cab by himself with a newspaper under his arm. No security, no nothing. This man is worth millions, if not already a billionaire. They like to say Bob Johnson was the first black billionaire. I don't think Forbes was counting Bill Cosby's money in those days. Um, but he gets out by himself. He comes in. We start shooting. He, I don't even think he ever went in the green room. We, <laughs> we start shooting, and all of these people are on the floor while we're shooting, and he looks at me, and he goes, I remember at one point, I can't remember what day of the week we happened to be shooting at that point. He had the Ed and Dre T-shirt on, and he says, well, all these people usually here when you guys are doing the show? I was like, no. He's like, who's usually here? I was like, well, Moses is, you know, doing the floor managing. And Todd is here and this people, that people, and Warren, the camera guy. And he goes, hold on, hold on. He said, like, hey, everybody, hey, excuse me, excuse me. Can y'all get the fuck out? And everybody was like, wow. And he was like, yeah, you know, you guys ain't usually here. You're only here because I'm here. I will gladly come out, you know, jokingly laughing and say hi and take pictures and autographs. Everything after we shoot the show. It's too much confusion. Everybody get out. And everybody left, except for the people that were supposed to be there. And it was smooth sailing from that point on out. And then, just like he said he would, he had me on the Cosby show. First time I did the Cosby show. I came on. They do a table read. I'm sitting around the table, and I'm bugging because it's 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 uh, Raven Simone. It's it's um, it's uh, Felicia Rashad. It's Bill Cosby. It's Tempest Bledsoe. It's Michael Jamal Warner. I think when I was there, I think Lisa Bonet. Yeah, Lisa Bonet was not there at the time. Erica Alexander was there playing Cousin Pam. That's when I met Al Payne for the first time. All of us are there doing the table read. And we do the thing, and I'm playing a cab driver the first time. So I got the date that the show was supposed to air. They told me, I told all my family, all my friends, I was going to be on the Cosby show this date. And lo and behold, Bill Cosby calls me. Remember, they came on a Thursday. Came on on Thursday. Bill Cosby called me that Tuesday again before that show was supposed to air and broke the bad news to me that it ran long. So they had to cut me out, and I wasn't going to be on that episode of The Cosby Show. And he goes, but I will definitely be having you back. I think you're funny. Take care of yourself, and I'll talk to you soon. And he hung up. And I'm like, that's never going to happen again. I'm, uh, I was there once. It, it didn't work out. It's not the first time I got cut out of things, y'all, by the way. I did a movie about two years ago with Chiwetel Ejiofor called Come Sunday. It's a Netflix movie. If you watch that movie and look at the end credits, you'll see my name in the end credits, but you don't see me in the movie because I played his brother and I did my scenes with him, but for some reason, it got cut. So it, it happens. You still get your credit, but you're just not in that episode. You're not visibly in the episode. Lo and behold, a month later, I'm going about my life regularly. Bill Cosby calls me again. Hey, Ed, we want you back. Gave me the date. Sent the car for me. They actually shot at Silver Cup Studios in Queens. I come back. I remember that Monday. We down. We do the table read again. And he goes, welcome back to Ed Lover. And everybody at the table read claps. And he goes, Ed, there's no way you're getting cut out of this show because I have you playing a doctor. And I just opened my mouth and was like, wow. And then he goes, I'm bullshitting you're a cab driver again. And as promised, I was a cab driver in that episode. Bring me the lip gloss of uh, Desiree or something like that. That's the name of the episode. And I did not get cut out of that episode. And what I remember the most about the episode is being on the set of The Cosby Show and realizing for the first time in my life that it's not a real house. That the living room and the kitchen and all of that is a set. And when they go up the stairs... They just right there on a landing, and then there's a side part on it. They walk down and sneak out the back. And when they come down the stairs, there's nothing up there. And when you when you walk out that front door, there's nothing there. It's all in a, it's all on a sound stage. So what they usually show us, y'all, is you know, 
B-roll of of what was supposed to be their house or the front of their house in Brooklyn. So this time I play a cab driver when he has a patient and I'm on my way to taking her to the hospital. He's supposed to be getting ready to rush to deliver her baby and I run into his car and I come through the door and Erica Alexander goes, I know ain't nobody just hit uh, Uncle Cliff's car. I know they didn't. And then she looks and she goes, ooh, can't say that. Uncle Cliff, somebody hit your car. And he and I'm at that point, I'm, she opened the door and I'm standing there. And he goes, I know there ain't nobody hit my car. And he comes down the stairs. And when we did it, he doesn't do dress rehearsals. I'm telling y'all it's about the Cosby show. Bill Cosby was so, no, he did the tape and somebody else did all the stand-in stuff for him and his lines while we were rehearsing. So he comes down the stairs and I'm standing there and you know you shoot it more than one more than once we shot it twice dry with no audience and then they loaded the audience in and we would do the show in front of them like doing a live play and um he said I know know the fuck they didn't and I just fell to the floor laughing because I didn't expect that to come out of Bill Cosby's mouth so those are my experiences with Bill Cosby and Bill Cosby Invited my mom and my aunt uh, to have, you know, they had dinner with him when they when he broke for dinner and the rest of us were, were still waiting to shoot, shoot the show for the second time. I, I you know, I, I ain't want to bother him like that. So I just, I want to chill with Malcolm, you know. So I'm chilling with Malcolm and Alan Payne and Erica Alexander and, you know, the people that I could relate to while my mom and my aunt had dinner with, with Bill Cosby in his office um, during that break. So that's the Bill Cosby that I know. Um, my mom never said he said anything inappropriate to her. My aunt never said he said anything inappropriate to her. And um, what's going on right now is Pennsylvania's highest court, the highest court in Pennsylvania, um, on Wednesday overturned Bill Cosby's sexual assault conviction and ordered him released from prison immediately, ruling that a non-prosecution deal he had struck with a previous district attorney should have shielded him from charges. So he had been brought up before. This is what I'm gathering from it. And he had a non-prosecution deal with a different district attorney. And then when they changed district attorneys, they tried to drop his deal, but the deal is still good because the deal was not just with the district attorney, it's with the state of Pennsylvania. So that's what they're saying, that those that deal, the previous deal with the previous district attorney should have shielded him from charges. The, dis the decision, excuse me, by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court came after Cosby had served more than two years of a potential three to 10 year sentence in a state prison following his 2018 conviction. Now, this is a problem with us in the judicial system. He served more than two years. How long have they been sitting on that knowing that he had that deal with a previous district attorney and it had to go through all the courts, all the appeals, all that, and all that time this man is sitting in jail when he shouldn't really have been in jail in the first place if he had a deal. It's like anybody else, right? You can have a, you have a deal with the district attorney for no time. You're not going to get prosecuted, tell us what happened, whatever, whatever. And then all of a sudden, that district attorney is not there and then here comes a brand new district attorney. This, something very similar to this happened to me. My wife and I was out in New York City and there was some drunk girls. It was a, uh, what was the name of the place? It wasn't called Bed. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a place that had beds. And that's where you party at. Like you partied on these beds. And my man Peter Parker was DJing. He invited me. So we up on the bed and you know, we got our bottles and we chilling. And it's like there's a railing around it, and you can walk past the railing. So my wife thinks that these girls was trying to catch my attention because they kept coming over to where I was, and they and they kept bumping into my wife. And my wife was like, well, she wasn't my wife. She was my fiancé at the time. Kept saying, hey, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. When I went to the bathroom, they came in the bathroom because it was a unisex bathroom. Chatting me up. I'm like, hey, how y'all doing? Blah. Oh, you so cute. Who you here with? I was like, I'm here with my fiance. I'm very flattered. It's nice to meet you. So we get back. I get back to the bed. Not even an hour later, here they come dancing over there again. 
They bump it to my, my fiance again, who's now my wife. They bump it to her again. And my wife, they just had words. And then all of a sudden I turn around and they fighting. And all of a sudden I, I, I see one girl throw a drink in my wife's face. And my wife is closing her eyes trying to wipe whatever vodka or whatever out of her eyes. And here comes another one with a bottle of Grey Goose. You know, the gigantic bottle of Grey Goose like that you could used to be able to buy in the club for like $800, $1,000. And she's about to hit my wife in the head with it. And I punched her. I didn't, I didn't have time to think about grabbing her or whatever. I punched her dead in the face. And her head went back into the wall, but it was a padded wall. And she kind of slid down and security broke it up. And they came and I told my wife, you know what? Let's go home. After I got arrested, some told me don't go to work that day. And I was on the radio in New York City, morning radio. Some said don't go to work that morning. And when I did not go to work, I got a call from one of my friends in production named Quasi that the police detectives are up there looking for me. They were going to arrest me at the radio station. So I got a lawyer, and my lawyer and I turned ourselves in. Now, I say that to tell you all this. The first district attorney that that had the case, had me come in, interview, had my wife come in, interview, had everybody that was there interview to state that that's exactly what I said is exactly what happened. Okay? She automatically goes, you really have, they don't have a case because you have the right to defend your fiance or anybody with you from harm, which is true. You can, and, and to protect your mama or your kids, or your fiance, you can knock somebody in their face. And that's exactly what I did. Then she gets taken off the case, and they bring in another district attorney, assistant district attorney, because my case wasn't big enough to go to the district attorney of the whole city of New York. But it was assistant district attorney. I don't even know what happened to her, but I know I go back again, right? And now this district attorney is overzealous because I'm me. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. But thankfully, I had a great attorney. And my attorney got everything beat down, taken down to where I wasn't actually supposed to. They're supposed to throw the case out. My case got taken down to a misdemeanor disturbing the peace. And I ended up getting seven days of community service. And what pissed me off about that, well, there was a lady that was in there with me that was shoplifting and jumping the turnstile. And they gave her seven days of community service. And I'm like, why am I getting the same thing she got? I should have got a day or two of community service, but seven? I'll tell y'all another time about my seven days of community service that I really didn't do. But I don't want to throw nobody under the bus right now, okay? So that's similar once they change assistant district attorneys or district attorneys come after another one and they get your caseload and then they decide what they want to do. So that's what happened with um, Bill Cosby. The decision by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, like I said, came after Cosby served more than two years. The 83-year-old comedian actor was best known for his role as a lovable husband and father in the 1980s number one television comedy series, The Cosby Show, earning him the nickname America's Dad. But his family-friendly reputation was shattered after dozens of women accused him of sexual assault over a period of decades. His conviction was widely seen as a landmark moment in the Me Too movement, of course it was, that brought forth an array of allegations against powerful men in Hollywood and beyond. He could be released as soon as later on Wednesday from a state correctional facility in Shippack, Pennsylvania. He was found guilty of sexual assault assaulting Andrea Constant, a Temple University employer, employee in his home in 2004 after drugging her with unidentified pills, um, which pretty much he admitted to when they did his deposition um, on his civil case. And she won the civil case, and then she waited right before the statute of limitations ran out to bring this case up against him, which resulted in um, Bill Cosby... Um, being locked up for almost two years, and now he could, um, when I'm recording this, this is Wednesday, and, um, you know, he's supposed to get out maybe later on tonight. And the reason why I say what I say about Bill Cosby, as important as he was, because 
when they created a different world, which was a spinoff from for Lisa Bonet off the Cosby show, when they created a different world, enrollment for black people to go to college went up 45 to 50% because of that show, because Hillman was a fictionary, uh, wonderful college and people wanted that black college experience. So the HBCUs, you know, just like what school days did for the historically black colleges and universities, um, a different world did the same thing. Matter of fact, Krista, do me a favor. Give me a little bit of the theme to a different world. I know my parents love me. Stand behind me, come what may. I know now that I'm ready because I finally heard them say it's a different world. I know my parents loved me. Stand behind me, come what may. I love I loved a different world. And you know, it was a shame and it hurt to see those type of things happen to Bill Cosby because he was so important, but it was time for women to stand up and say no more and for men that are in powerful positions to stop taking advantage of women. I just uh read that James Franco has to pay like 2.2 million dollars. Bill Cosby's paid out millions of dollars, you know, civil suits against R. Kelly, civil suits of Harvey Weinstein, constantly paying women for doing, you know, irresponsible things and sexually assaulting women and stuff like that. Just because you have money does not mean that you have the right to take advantage of a woman. And in the case of R. Kelly, a lot of the women he was taking advantage of, he was using his power and his prestige to have sex with uh, allegedly I don't want to get sued, allegedly have sex with underage girls. And I can't respect that as a father of girls, you know, with one son. I, I can't respect that at all. And it starts making you think as, as a man, have I ever done something that's inappropriate? Now, I know I've never raped anybody. I've never sexually assaulted anybody. But have I ever met a woman who was around me for work purposes or for advice? Have I ever said something overtly sexual to them? Have I ever made them feel uncomfortable or feel like a sexual object? Have I ever done anything like that? It makes me think 30 years, I've been in the game for 30 years, so it makes me think all the way back. And thank God I can't find anything in my past that will make me uncomfortable or that I've done that any woman has ever said that Ed Lover has done to him. Because I prided myself always on the separation of work and leisure. Always. I always, my daddy used to always say, you don't shit where you eat. So I always tried to, if I was working with an attractive woman, I always tried to not date them, not come on to them. Especially in, you know, if I dated people, it was always outside of work because it never, it never ends up well. You know, there's too many people. I've had program directors who shall remain nameless lose their position, lose their a position that they worked their entire life to get to. New York is the Mecca. It's the number one market in radio. You work your ass off to get to New York City, to become a program director on one of the most powerful radio stations in New York City, only to lose it because you're sleeping with a, 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 a damn salesperson and you're married and you're allegedly stealing. Crazy. Had it happen to me in um, right here in, in, um, in A. Right in the A. 
And I was closely associated with this program director. And they say he has been doing sexual misconduct for a long ass time. I remember one of the young ladies that I was really, really cool with up there at the radio station told me um, a show producer was inappropriate with her. Put his face between her breasts and was like, totally inappropriate. And she kept quiet. Eventually, he got fired. He got fired. He didn't get fired for that, but karma caught up with him. I don't I don't understand why men feel like they have to be inappropriate with women. And with this program director here in the A, he exposed himself. Like lock women in his office and come on to them like you know you want this and, and pull his stuff out. Come on, yo. Come on. If anything that I know as a man is if a woman likes you, she'll let you know. We don't choose women. Women choose us. And when you get that in your head, you're good. And you also need to get into your head as a man. Not every woman likes you. Not every woman wants you. Not every woman wants to sleep with you. See, in my opinion, and this is only my opinion, R. Kelly thought because he is from Chicago and there's a lot of famous pimps and stuff from Chicago, you know, that he had that pimp mentality, that God mentality, that he can't be touched like Every woman wants me because I'm a fantastic singer and I make, I write and I produce and I make good music. So all these women want me. And when it came down to it, he found out that a lot of older women was like, yo, bro, your music is cool. Peace out. Right? Because an older woman is not a woman that has their own life together. She's not really open, silly open, or for you and she's not going to follow you around and do what you say and call you daddy. She ain't doing all that. She got her own life to live. She might like you. She might even eventually fall in love with you and want to build a future with you. But all that call me daddy, you can't eat unless I say eat. You can't pee unless I say you can pee. You can't come in the room until I say you can come in the room. They ain't having that, man. Not a, not a smart woman, but you can pull that off with an underage, under mentally developed person that comes from little to no means and those are the ones that he was allegedly victimizing and preying on it's a predator you know i mean i actually one time my wife and i got into a big argument when we were living in uh um before we downsized and we we didn't downsize because of money we downsized because we need all that space and we shouldn't be paying that high-ass mortgage we had six bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms. And I remember she got mad at me and just like, I'm leaving. Uh, you know, we weren't even married then. We were just living together and before we, a little bit before we got engaged. I'm leaving, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to take my stuff. Do, 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 do. And I said, if you walk out of here tonight, I'll have four women living in here by the end of the week. If you want to play on somebody's insecurities, it's not that difficult. But you got to find the right one. I would live like we were in a, com a commune. It's me and my four wives. You know, it's all of this stuff going around nowadays. Polygamy is the only thing that I can see that, that's next. I mean, we got same-sex marriages. You, you watch TV. You know, you got people that are married to more than one woman. You know, you got women that are married to more than one guy. Like, if it's all based on love, I don't see how you can actually tell somebody how many people they can be married to. Or what sex of a person they can be married to. You can tell them what age of a person they should be married to. But you can't tell somebody that because you're a woman and she's a woman and y'all love each other that y'all cannot get married. You can't say that. And because he's a man and you're a man, y'all can't love each other. It's impossible for you to love each other. So if that's possible and that's legal, what do you think is going to happen later on when people are okay with it? And there are people that are okay with it. There are women that's like, you know what? I just like, I just like to be married to him and have the security of him and I building a family together. But I only want to deal with him part time, and I wish there was another woman that could deal with him the rest of the time. So you go ahead and find a sister wife, <laughs> and that stuff happens. I mean, that's truly the way things are, and this is what we're leading into. 
moving forward, that's what we that's what we're gonna see. Legal and probably well, it's gonna take these Bible states a, a, a while to get on to it. Just like it's taking them a while to get on legalizing marijuana. We never thought we'd see that happen as much as it is. But it is. It just is what it is, folks. It really is. It is what it is. What we have to do is learn to respect other people's opinions when it doesn't agree with ours and to respect other people's lifestyles if it doesn't agree with ours. Now, there's certain things that should definitely be off limits. You know, you should not be a grown-ass man having relations with a little boy or a little girl or a grown-ass teacher having, you know, a female teacher having sex with one of your students that's not 21. Their brain is not fully developed, y'all. They can't make those conscientious decisions for themselves. I raise my kids the way I raise, I want to raise my kids. Other people raise their kids the way they want to raise their kids. But I would not let my kid tell me at 12 years old who they are because they don't know. It's your job to guide them. It's your job to raise them. It's your job to nurture them. It's your job to feed them. It's your job to clothe them. But it is also your job not to let them make detrimental decisions on their life. You can make those decisions when you've grown and, and gone and out my house. So Bill Cosby is coming home. James Franco has to pay $2.2 million in a class action lawsuit. Apparently he was running an acting school in New York and people was taking his acting classes and he was having people shoot more and more explicit sex scenes on camera and then taking them and watching them later on. Weird stuff, boy, but different strokes for different folks, but you can't do that, Mr. James Franco. You cannot do that. Kevin Spacey, who's openly gay, got busted for what he was doing, trying to put pressure on young um, young co-stars that were, you know, crazy open because it was Kevin Spacey promising them this, promising them that. They at the they at the craft services table, he touching their butt, grabbing balls, rubbing dicks. He's just really getting back at back at it. It's crazy. It's crazy. I just I just think this whole damn world is going crazy, man. You know that's going to be the name of this podcast. The world has gone damn crazy. And I blame social media, man. I'm a fan and not a fan of social media at the same time. I blame social media because everybody is doing anything to get attention. Anything. You're not, you're not secure in yourself that you feel like you have to post everything. Let me give y'all a classic example. Father's Day was earlier this month. It's Black Music Month. It's Pride Month. It's all that. It's Juneteenth, and then the next day was Father's Day. So I have my children. Summer, my youngest daughter, she sends me something for Father's Day. Zaire, my only son, sends me something for Father's Day. My daughter Jasmine gives me something because she lives here in the house. She gives me something for Father's Day, card, balloons, nice, nice gifts for Father's Day. My daughter Tiffany, who's my firstborn daughter, nothing. She's in New York. She goes to New York and takes my grandson to New York. I get nothing. You know what I got? And this is when I'm telling you that social media is out of control and people are doing things. I got a post on Instagram. So I told her, I text her. She didn't even text me and say happy Father's Day. She just posted a picture of me and happy Father's Day to my dad, my best friend, blah, 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 blah. What makes you know for sure that I was on Instagram that day? Suppose I didn't see the post. 
You didn't even text me to say happy Father's Day. Suppose I didn't see the post whatsoever. And then what? Then what would have happened? You had the phone in your hand. So I texted and said, thank you for the Father's Day love and the post, but I would have rather heard your voice. It, if you had the phone in your hand and you was picking pictures and writing what you wanted to say, you could have picked the phone up and said it to me. So who are you posting for? Are you posting for me to see it? Because if that's how you felt, you could have taken that same collage and sent it to me personally and said, Happy Father's Day, Daddy, with all the same things that you said in that post. Are you posting so that people can see and acknowledge you? Because my mom don't be on social media like that. So I I post my mother because I want people to see that I love my mother. When I post my mother on Mother's Day, I know what I'm posting for. Okay? But I also pick up the phone and call my mom. When it's my kids' birthdays, I make sure I gift them something, and I make sure that I pick up that phone if they're not in my face on their birthdays. I make sure that they hear me. Loud and clear. There's certain people that I love that I call. I, I I call my mom. My mom is not on Instagram. So if I just posted my mother on Instagram, she'll never see it. So I have to make sure that I call my mom. You have to start thinking about what are you sharing for? Are you that insecure that people need to see every damn thing that you do? Grown-ass men, I know, friends of mine, ain't got a quarter of the followers I have. It's me keeping in touch with my fan base. But sometimes I post stuff and then I look at it later and go, damn, why did I post that? Why I post that? Because I want somebody to say, damn, Ed, you look great. Or damn, Ed, what are you smoking? Or damn, Ed, that's a nice shirt. I need that? Is that where we at right now? That we need, we need that admiration from people all the time. We need that validation from other people that we oversharing, overposting. You working out? Fine, you working out. Want to take a picture of yourself or video yourself while you working out and, and put it in your um, phone for later on so you can have that memory of your journey? Why are you telling us? I wrote on Twitter the other day, I'm not screaming happy birthday to your friend that I don't know. So stop asking me to do it on social media. Everybody, man, even to the point, yo, where, and I'm being 100% transparent with y'all. My wife and I got into an argument about this. I was like, why do you have to take our pictures when we're in the car and post it on social media? If you want to take a picture of you and I just for our own memories, fine. But why are you posting this on social media? Why? So somebody can say, ooh, black love. Oh, everybody know we married. Every time we get dressed up to go out and we get in a car, you don't have to post a picture of us on social media. It's aggravating. Babe, look this way while I'm driving. For what? And then you take the picture and then, ooh, babe, you didn't smile. Let me take it again. Like, come on. And then every time you and your girlfriends get together, y'all got to take a thousand pictures. Like, y'all don't know what y'all look like at this point. But then if we say, if my friends are in town, like my friends, the Richburgs, they came to town. We hung out. Y'all kept giving us y'all phones to take pictures of y'all two, Kim and my wife, Vanessa. And y'all took like one picture of me and Kev together. I want the memories too. I like the memories. But when y'all start doing this stuff now, when y'all posting 10 pictures because you on a beach or because nobody really gives a fuck. Do you understand what you're doing? Selfie and selfish ain't that far apart in letters. You don't see nothing beautiful but you. You didn't take a picture of the hotel and say, y'all, this is a dope hotel here on South Beach. Y'all need to come to this hotel when y'all here. You didn't take a picture of the ocean and the sunset and say, oh my God, God is great. Look at this sunset over the ocean. You took a picture of you lying on your stomach, 
with your ass out. Who's the thirsty one? The person that goes into your comments and tell you how much they want to stick their dick in your butt? Or you for posting it? Where we at right now, y'all? The only good thing about to me about social media now is that we find out about things that are happening. Different atrocities, police brutalizing us. We find out that stuff now quicker than we did before there was social media because before there was social media, it would get buried in a newspaper article and it wouldn't spread all around the world. We would have probably never known anything about George Floyd being murdered if it was not for social media. So I applaud social media for that much, for that thing. But now everybody thinks they got their own television show and you are not that interesting. Some people on there are funny. I give it to them. But the majority of people are just doing stupid things for likes. Dumb. Oh, it went viral. So what does that mean to, to your life? I've been viral. I was viral without social media. But I was viral for doing something that I loved, and I was viral for spreading the culture of music that I loved. You want to go viral for doing something stupid. Oh, we should invent a new dance. How many? Come on, man. That's why it's crazy. Got bigger stuff we got to deal with than that. Bigger stuff. Men done went crazy. I'm going to tell y'all something right now. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. And I hope if you are listening to this podcast and you subscribe to this podcast, and I, and I hope that you do. And I hope you tell a friend, hey, man, Ed got a pretty damn good podcast. You need to check it out. We can't keep screaming Black Lives Matter until Black Lives Matter to us. 46 shootings in Chicago. 95 of that is black people. 30-something in Atlanta. 40-something in New York over a weekend. And it's mostly us. How are we going to say you can't kill us when we're killing ourselves? And we're and we killing ourselves over bullshit. Meaningless shit. Meaningless. I just sat down with a young lady who is Tupac's first cousin who was around Pac a lot, and I've known her for quite some time. I just didn't know she was my man Shaka Zulu's sister Shaka and his and his brother are, you know, part of Disturbing the Peace, well, the heads of Disturbing the Peace, along with Ludacris. And done great things in music, and he's an OG, and he deserves his flowers, man. I know that Afeni and Tupac were, were Shaka's first cousins. And we were talking about Pac, and because Pac would have been 50 this year. And where we think Pac would be at, you know, she knows that me and Pac was tight. Um, and we were just sharing, you know, I'm sharing stories with her. She's sharing stories with me. And even as his first cousin, she really doesn't like the way people put Tupac in his box as if he was this and then wasn't there and really didn't know how confused he could be sometimes at 24, 25 years old. So we, we just, you know, we sharing stories and I'm looking at this like, wow, my man would have been 50. He'd have been all over social media. He would have been probably the greatest rapper slash actor that we've ever seen because he was naturally gifted. I mean, so many great things on the front of Black Lives Matter would have definitely been hearing from Pac a lot. And he would have also told us to stop fucking killing each other. We can't keep saying Black Lives Matter if they don't matter to other black people. They don't. Because everything that we say about each other is, is a negative connotation half the time. We're so comfortable now with calling women bitches. We're so comfortable now with women calling us niggas. Oh, I'm tired of these niggas. All these niggas out here, this, that, and the third. All these niggas, whatever, whatever. This, this, that. Stop dealing, stop dating niggas. Stop dating niggas. Date men. 
How do you expect somebody that you know that clinically does not mature on the same level that you mature as, as a woman? How do you fall in love with that person, marry that person, to get mad when that person didn't mature on the level that you mature on? You know women mature quicker than men do. So you have to wait for him to mature. You got to wait. You got to stop dating niggas. You go after her. You know that she's just a normal. You can tell by her social media what she all about. Because her ass is all out. Her titties are out. She's about herself. She loves herself. 99.9% of the pictures that she put up on social media is her. And then you expect something different when y'all get together? All these bitches. Stop messing with bitches. Stop. What happened to everybody marching to the beat of their own drum? What happened to the natural hair society of women? What happened to the educated women that wanted to go to college and, and be something? They still exist. But the abundance and the majority of who our young kids are looking at are the ones with the 15 packs of hair, the fake big-ass dumb-looking caterpillar eyelashes, the colored eyes, snatched. Not every woman feels like she has to be snatched. If all of y'all are snatched, then who's the natural woman? Can somebody answer that question to me? For me? If everybody is snatched, what's make, what makes anybody else stand out from everybody else that's snatched? Because I'm going to tell you something. If we walk into a spot and we see all these women that are so-called snatched with fake breasts and these ginormously nasty-looking butts in a pair of pants, any clear-thinking man will take the woman with a natural body and a pretty face over those women. Because now they stand out more than you do. And what are you going to do? How long are you going to keep that stuff in your body before your body rejects it? I know plenty of women like that, and they cannot find a man. Snatched to the gods, as y'all like to say. Can't find a dude. And dudes, if you're not bringing nothing to the table, you're not doing anything right for yourself. How do you expect a woman to want to be with you? An intelligent, warm, funny smart, bright, witty woman to want to be with you. When all you're worrying about is the new PlayStation come out and what kind of Zaza everybody's smoking. What happened to people just, what happened to the backpack crew? What happened to the dreadlocked and, you know, woke folks that we used to see out here back in the days and doing their thing that was like more on the neo-soul tip with, you know, like early Erica Badu with the turbans and early Jill Scott and just proud to be beautiful, pure black women. The women that Mary raised, the B-girls that loved hip-hop and loved R&B. What, what happened to them? Now we got, and I don't mean to throw nobody under the bus, and I'm not. Now we got a whole generation that want to be Nikki, Megan, Cardi, or the City Girls. That's it. That's it. Y'all, I know. I hope y'all saw the verses the other night. And I know if anybody listens to me from the 305, you're going to disagree with me, so I'm ready for it now. Eve Slade, Trina. Because Trina ain't had no lyrics. Everything that came out of Trina's mouth was about how she's the baddest bitch Eve suck dick and take it in and all of that she didn't have anything of substance when eve hit love is blind about domestic abuse she had no comeback record for that where is that really 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 getting you but everybody wants to be that why nobody wants to be rhapsody why nobody want to be 3d why nobody the women that can spit bars but still have something to say in their music besides sucking dick, wet pussy, I got a fat ass, give me some money, niggas got to pay for this pussy, 
What, what is the, and it's our kids, man. It's not you because you should be mature enough to know that that's just entertainment. And I don't knock anybody for doing their entertainment. And some of the music I actually like. I mean, when the City Girls did I Take Your Man Over, a lot of y'all don't know that that's an original Salt and Pepper record. Salt and Pepper did that record. And Salt and Pepper's record was super disrespectful for the time towards other females talking about how they take your man. Super disrespectful. We got to look out for our kids. And we got to look out for each other. And we got to look out for ourselves. Men, you got to stop carrying yourself with thugs. You too old to be thugging at 34, 35. Give it up, bro. Nobody cares what kind of bids you did. I'm not impressed by your bids. You know what that means? That means you're not a good criminal. That's what it means. Oh, my man just did 20 flat. Like that's a, you know, something to applaud. It's not nothing to applaud, especially if he had choices. Now, granted, some people, that's the only way they're going to eat is get in these streets and do something illegal. But how many times do people got to tell you the streets don't love you until you stop following it? How many times do people that did bids came home and told you, yo, thugging ain't it, homie, before you listen? Why? Because somebody going to pour out some Hennessy for you and put your ass on a T-shirt? Take care of your children? You don't do that? And then you wonder why women say ain't no good niggas out there. Because you're not acting like a good man. First of all, you got to act like a man. Okay? And ladies, if you're not even ready for a damn good man, you think just because you snatch, that's all we're supposed to be uh, enamored with? A dime a dozen. Believe that. You're a dime. If you don't bring anything to the table but your good looks, you're going to find yourself by yourself. Everybody wants to love and want to be loved, but everybody still wants to marry somebody or be in love with somebody that they can build a future with. Because if God blesses you, and I sincerely hope that God blesses you because I pray for you every day. I pray for you, just like my homie just had a heart attack last night and died. I pray for him and I pray for his family. I pray for his deliverance to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that God opens him with, um, accepts him with open arms when he gets to the pearly gates. I pray for that brother. He's a good brother. Just saw him the other day and found out yesterday he died of a heart attack. I pray for you because I honestly love you. I love black people. But I think we're getting low on black people. There's too many niggas out there that's fucking it up for black people. You make us afraid to even go out the house or to send our kids out to a baseball game or to go enjoy an open air concert now that we're coming off COVID. We've been locked down long enough from COVID. The Delta variant is there. We're getting back to open air concerts. We're getting back to one music fest. We're getting back to Denon Blanc. We're getting back to High Park Summerfest. We're getting back to whatever fest or concerts or open air things that people are having in whatever city you live in that's listening to this podcast right now. We're getting back to that. But we don't want to go there and get shot. Because you got beef with somebody else and you don't even know how to shoot your gun. That's why you keep hitting all the rest of these people. They ain't got nothing to do with who you shooting at. We don't want to go there. We don't want your long ass fingernails and your fake eyelashes and your gigantic booty and your gigantic breasts with no bra underneath your shirt. We don't want you standing in front of our kids smoking marijuana, acting like a hood rat, because that's exactly what you are. A hood rat, talking loud, acting ignorant, no education having bird. We don't want you. If that's what you want to do, at least be intelligent. At least get your education. At least have a good foundation. And then if not for our children, for your children. For your future children. Do you want your grandson's friends to come over your house and go, damn, your grandma got a fat ass. I'd like to fuck that. That what you want? 
Couldn't get it together, man. Everything ain't for everybody. You're beautiful. You are beautiful. But we are over-fucking-doing it. And you know when you're going to start complaining, ladies? When we, as men, start getting snatched. That's when you're complaining. That's what you're going to do. We're going to save our money as men and go get dick enlargements. That's what we're going to do. We're going to let that shit go down the sleeve of our pants so you can see this big 18-inch dick that all of us got. We're going to get the liposuction. We're going to get all that shit. We're going to get the six-pack put on. We're going to get pecs implanted in our chest. We're going to do all that. Veneers and all of that. Take these bags from under my eyes and have my eyebrows permanently put on. And you know what you're going to say? Damn, he looked fake. Mm, I don't mm. You tell all that fake shit on Ed Lover? He looked fake. What do you think you look like? Because somebody tell you pretty on Instagram. Come on, y'all. Cause somebody, so somebody can slide up in your DMs? We just out here, man, and we're not taking care of each other. I'm spitting game to you because I love you. I'm spitting game to you because I care about you. I care about my people. And I, right now, don't like the road my people are traveling down. There's too many murders. In our de ghetto. No more murder in and out of the ghetto. No more. Women shooting other women. This is ridiculous. Now who we blaming? Oh, the, who we blaming? Because that ain't, ain't the police. It's you. And then you wonder why they scared of you. It's you. Come on, y'all. I'll be back with my come on, son, for the week. Come on, son. Hold tight. Yo, it's said love, and it's time for Killer, son. My weekly rant. First of all, I'm going to get Kevin Durant, man. Come on, son. Kevin Durant, you are a great you are a great basketball player. Matter of fact, you're a superstar. I've been touting your basketball prowess for a long time, bro. And in my opinion, as a straight scorer, you are better than LeBron. Because I do remember when you bust LeBron ass in the NBA Finals. I remember that. Because you are a great, great, great basketball player. But come on, son. You got to find a way to make everybody around you better, man. When you, Once you lost Kyrie and once you lost James Harden, who was really not on the floor, but he was on the floor during these NBA playoffs, yeah, you took it on you to to, 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 to score 50, to whatever you scored, and put the team on your back, and that was beautiful. But you got to distribute the ball a little more. That's why your ass was tired when it got to overtime. Come on, son. And one more thing, bro. Brush your fucking hair, bro. Could you please, bro, could you brush your hair just for me, bro? You're a good-looking dude, but you look unhappy and nappy, bro. Why ain't your mom's, who's a beautiful woman, telling you to brush your shit? Come on, son. And speaking of hair, Stephen A. Smith, man. You, your Johnny Wayback ain't working no more, my nigga. I don't know who ain't, who ain't telling you what it is. I don't know if you friends with Skip Shannon, but Skip would be, oh, Steve, uh, Steve, uh, Steve, uh, Henny and Black and Miles, Steve, cut your hair, Steve. Steve, that, your shit, you're you holding on to nothing. Every time I watch First Take, it's like your shit went back another inch. And sooner or later, you're going to say some slick shit to Max Kellerman, and he's going to go in on you about that hairline. Come on, son. Get your hairline right, man. And speaking of getting right. I got a question for Cardi B and Offset. Every BET Awards, every couple of years, y'all going to wait a couple of months before the BET Awards and get pregnant just so you can announce the shit on the BET Awards? <laughs> Come on, son. This is the second time. This is the second time. And please, don't come with none of them crazy names, son. Come on, son. Nick Cannon done took all them names. And Nick Cannon, what is you doing, bro? Nick, you my man, 50 grand, and you know that. But you can't impregnate the world, bro. 
And if you do impregnate him, man, can you come with a regular name? Can you name somebody? Nick Cannon Jr., just one of them. Okay, Queen Powerful, Zillion, uh, uh, Nick, with Nick Cannon Jr., bro. Maverick, Morocco, Secret Squirrel, Batman. Where you running out of names? You got, what you got? You working on your seventh dog? Come on, son. You wildin', son. Nick Cannon Jr. Can we get one? Just one, son. Please, son. Stop it, son. And, and while I'm on the subject, can y'all please stop with this extravagant ways of revealing the birth of the baby? Somebody burnt down a whole goddamn town during the reveal party. Come on, son. Can you just do find something else? Get a magician. Fuck out of here. Bring out two different colored dogs. Do something. Put all of this burning shit down and starting forest fires for your reveal party. This shit is getting out of hand, man. And while I'm talking about shit that's getting out of hand, ladies, we tired of these pregnancy photo shoots. We tired of your reveal parties, and we're not giving you a push gift. It's just as much your baby as it is mine, and it is an honor for you through the Lord and Savior to push a child out. You don't get no fucking gift for that. So stop it. Stop coming up with this bullshit. Come on, son. Fuck out of here with that bullshit. And James Franco, come on, son, man. How you, bro? You a good-looking young dude. You sexually harassing people, making people do explicit love scenes in an acting class, son, so you can get your jollies off? Come on, son. You're a weird motherfucker, James Franco. And that's why they gonna hit you in your pockets, man. You lucky you ain't going to jail for this shit, man. But come on, son. You can't be you can't be that hardy. If you avoid your like that, watch porno, man. Hire somebody to come in your house and fuck or something. Get somebody off a of back page or wherever they find it. Uh, OnlyFans or some shit, son. Come on, son. And speaking of OnlyFans, ladies, all of y'all don't belong on OnlyFans, man. Come on, son. Some of y'all try to have a specialty, and the specialty is just non-existent, all right? Fat, ugly bitches with no teeth and, and more rolls than, than a fucking bakery is not a, that's not happening. You're not a BBW because you, you you just not, it's not happening. It's funny, it's funny. Come on, son, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. And speaking of bullshit, one more thing. Stop trying to find a new goddamn dance, okay, on TikTok. We tired of that, man. We tired of that. Stop making up dances and then and then the white people become the influencers when they do your dance because TikTok is holding back the black creator. And we know that and we see it. And I told y'all to watch the motherfuckers, son. Come on, son. The fuck out of here with that bullshit. I'm at lover. This is come on, son. Keep God first, everything else will fall into the place. I'll talk at you, with you, to you, and about you next week. Take care of yourselves, man. And all you corny niggas, stop podcasting. This shit is whack. Come on, son. The fuck out of here with that bullshit. I'm out. Come on, son, son. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.